Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Right, welcome everyone to episode 151 of the Traveling Image Makers podcast with your host Ugo Che. Uh, this week it's only me uh, hosting the show because my co-host, the usual co-host Ralph Velasco, is currently traveling uh, headed to Costa Rica. Uh, we mentioned that in the last episode, so uh, he'll be there for a few days. He's probably at the airport somewhere at this hour. So he could not make it, but uh, he will be back uh, for the next uh, the next episode of this series. And so I'm just, uh, it's just me. Well, it's actually not just me because I have a, a wonderful guest. We're back with, uh, with an interview with uh, an amazing travel photographer who is uh, calling us from uh, the vicinity of Salt Lake City, Utah. So it's my pleasure to introduce to you Mike Golbra. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Hey, Hugo. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, it's it's great. It's an honor for us to to have you here. Uh, I've long admired your your photography and. Uh, and oh, well, thank amazing, you. Likewise, amazing number of destinations that you that you cover uh, the, the places that you you go to. I follow your Facebook posts from across half the world and uh, you're making me a bit envious about all the places that you that you go to uh, so for uh, uh, for those who don't know you can can you maybe uh, introduce yourself uh, how did you get started with photography and travel and I always like to know from my guests uh, if it's uh, travel their main passion and travel led them to, to photographing the places that they went to or is it photography their main passion and they thought that it would be nice to photograph some uh, nice places absolutely so again thank you for having me so i mike Golbra, um uh headquartered in uh, a suburb of salt lake city utah and i own and operate m&m photo tours uh, we've been around since january of 2009 so we're relatively new to the uh, photo workshop and photo tour uh, business, but in, in 10 years, we've uh, been able to do some amazing things, if I may say so. Um, as you mentioned, uh, we cover the globe. We offer trips to all seven continents, and uh, depending on the year, I'm, I'm gone anywhere from 20 to 26 weeks a year. Uh, we do have some other staff photographers that, that work with us, and of course, uh, we use uh, amazing guest pros, uh, pros like uh, Jeff Cable, uh, Deb Sandage, uh, Mike Yamashita, who is a Nat Geo photographer. And we're looking very forward to working with you in the near future, uh, too, Hugo. Um, so you asked about travel or photography. And, and for me, uh, I got started in photography at about 10. Uh, we went on a family vacation to a national park here in the U.S. and uh, I had a little uh, Kodak film camera that had all of 24 images in it, and I was told, this is your camera for the two-week trip, so make sure you're selective with your shots. 
And of course, after day one, I'd used all 24 images and uh, had to use my own allowance money to buy another little uh, point and shoot film camera to keep shooting. And it was really that experience with the wildlife and the landscapes of Yellowstone National Park that got me hooked on photography. Uh, after a 30-plus uh, year career uh, of service uh, running all over the globe, uh, uh, retired and, and was looking for something that uh, I was passionate about. And one was travel and the other was photography. And so we launched M&M Photo Tours and uh, the rest is history, as we say. Um, it's been a great ride so far and we're looking to go in for many more years. Great. Uh, how, do you know how many countries you've been to? Uh, well, me personally, uh, yeah, me personally, I've been to 162 countries. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's not too many places I haven't been. Cool. Uh, M&M, uh, we are up over uh, 60 countries so far that we've done tours to. 162, I don't know how many. That's more than half of all the countries in the world, I guess. <laughs> I think I've got about 35 or so left to go to. Mm -hmm. There's some I don't want to go to and some I don't care to go back to. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think you're pairing uh, travel with photography and you're able to learn quite a bit about yourself, learn about the world. And then, of course, uh, when you're lucky enough to capture some great imagery, you're then able to share that with folks around the globe with, with social media that we have today. And so it's very exciting for me. So if you could live tomorrow and uh, there was no uh, money or time or no obstacle, uh, where would you go to? Uh, let's say one country that you have not been before that you would like to see. Uh, maybe there's very few of them. And maybe one country that you have been to already, but that's your top of the list of your favorite destination? Yeah, that, that's a loaded question, Ugo. Uh, I get that quite frequently from, from guests and friends. Um, I, I guess this time of year, it's kind of nostalgic for me because we're typically in Indochina, Laos, Vietnam, Cambodia, uh, Thailand, Myanmar, and uh, the, the area is so, what we say, target-rich, for photography and uh, all sorts of photography, whether it be architectural, historical, candidates of people, uh, markets, you know, street photography. Um, so I would I would guess that uh, probably Indochina would be my choice today. Uh, Some place that I haven't been, um, you know, nothing comes to mind. I, you know, I'll 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 have to say that. Italy never disappoints me. I could go to Italy every week, every year, and find something new and amazing. Uh, you know, the the history of of Europe and the landscapes uh, always appeal to me. Right. So you're one of the few people who can say that they've, uh, how do you say, emptied your bucket list or filled it? <laughs> <laughs> Italy is always on my bucket yeah. list. I I can spend time on the on the Cinque Terre or, or down on the Amalfi or, or even up in the Dolomites and, and be perfectly happy every day. You've got the best of the landscapes, the best of the people, the best food, um, and uh, I would be happy. So uh, landscapes, people, culture, monuments, and so on, what, what attracts your lens the most? What's your favorite subject, yeah, so to speak? I, 
Yeah, I, I think it depends on the country. Obviously, uh, I, I love shooting candids of, of people. Uh, landscapes, uh, I, I'll, I'll admit, I'm still a, uh, a learning photographer. Every trip I learn something new. I learn something about my gear. I learn something about uh, post-processing. I learn something about filter usage. Um, you know, about the only trips I do that uh, uh, are pretty simple and straightforward as photography goes are my wildlife safaris. Um, not that it's easy to photograph wildlife all the time, but uh, you're not having to worry about tripods and filters and the post-processing is pretty straightforward as well. But uh, um, yeah, but, but people, I love interacting with people, love connecting with, with the locals. Yeah. Um, are there still places where the, the locals are, I mean, uh, how can I explain? Uh, we see a lot of photos of those um, uh, distant cultures and tribes, and we cannot help thinking that many of those situations are, in, at least in some amount, contrived or set up for, for the tourists, for the photographers. Is there a place where you can go that you can feel still find something that is genuine, so to speak, and not set up for photography or for tourists? Great, great question. And um, I don't like to do a lot of setup shots. And I, I agree with you, there are a lot of uh, opportunities out there to do setup shots and hire models and whatnot. And so what we do at M&M and what I like to do is we really get off the beaten path. We go to places that most photographers have never been to. Uh, say, for example, uh, you know, we'll use Northern Vietnam as an example. Everybody goes to Sapa and, and the villages and, and the markets. But if you, if you take the road a little farther and go a little deeper into the mountains and get out and walk, um, you can put yourself in villages that uh, most groups won't take you to. And you can get the real, as I'll say, the people enjoying their daily life and their daily activity, working the field, being in the market. Uh, their interactions in the villages or community. Um, and that's important to me because to your point, uh, you know, the setup shots or the common shots are all there. Um, I like to be spontaneous and I like to challenge our tour group participants to be able to think on the fly and be able to handle their equipment on the fly and, and, and shoot and, and think and shoot and think rather than waiting for everything to be perfect. I think it tells the story a little more intimately. I remember I recently went to, to Southeast Asia. And I love that area too. I've never been to Vietnam, and but maybe or Laos, but maybe next year I go there. But I just spent uh, three days in Cambodia just to have a first look at the country. I know it deserves much more, but that's the time I had. And we went to the Tonle Sap Lake. Right, where there are two yes. Kampong Plak, uh, which is this village on stilts, the floating villages, as they call it. And we did a little uh, boat tour with the locals. And it's obvious that specifically in that location, these people uh, just for the most part, uh, they rely on tourism. And they, they, they bring the tourists yeah. uh, on their boats to do a little uh, tour of the mangrove forest uh, and they make you buy bananas to throw to the monkeys and yeah okay yep. you know it's it's very nice but you you can feel that it's uh 
it's a little uh, setup in, in that way. Then when we're driving back towards Siemrep, uh, we drove through a, a little village and there was a market on the street. And it was obvious that the market was for the locals. So I asked my, my driver to stop because I, I want to go down there and take photos of the people here. They were not there for the tourists. And these are these are the moments that I, that I love most. And I got some great uh, candid shots Ab- there as absolutely. well. Absolutely. That was... Uh, yeah, being, being able to be spontaneous. And that's one of the things that we tell all of our groups. If we're on the bus traveling between locations, if you see something you want to shoot, yell out, stop, and we'll get out and, and uh, you know, put some miles on our, on our, on our shoes and, and explore the area. But you're absolutely, absolutely accurate in that it's those, those moments that are the real uh, location, the real culture, the real connection with the people. So that's the type of photography I love as well. Right. Yeah, me too. And you mentioned safaris. You said you love safaris in Africa. Uh, which countries specifically or which locations? Uh, Kenya, Tanzania, Botswana, Namibia, South Africa. I know this. The yeah. List, the list goes so, on. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's so many beautiful places. And, and I've been to all of those. We've, we've run safaris to Kenya, Tanzania, Namibia, Botswana, South Africa. In fact, this year, um, uh, been to all but, but Kenya with, with groups. However, I, I think my favorite two, probably in order, are Tanzania and then Botswana. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Tanzania, probably just because of the, the variations in area, you know, between a couple of the smaller national parks, you know, Tarangiri for the elephants in the right season, uh, the, of course, uh, Ngorogoro Crater uh, that everybody must visit at least once on, on safari. Um, and then the Serengeti. I mean, the Serengeti is so vast and varied, uh, whether it's the Great Migration or what I call the Reverse Migration, uh, January, February, March. Um, it's just uh, an epic place for wildlife. Uh, I think my favorite place in Tanzania to photograph is the Ndutu area. Um, Ndutu, you can go off-road and you've got the varied landscapes and you've got the resident game year-round. And of course, the cat activity uh, is, is special there. Botswana, I like because of the water uh, on the Chobe and, and the Okavango Delta. Uh, again, um, a different type of safari, but uh, loaded with with wonderful wildlife um namibia is is a bit different i love the sand dunes and of course atosha is a different wildlife safari than tanzania kenya or or any place else just because one it's so vast and and uh so flat most of most of the time but uh um yeah i love love wildlife photography and and looking forward to actually going back to tanzania for one month uh, January, February in 2019. Uh, excited to be going in about 88 days. Yeah. <laughs> um, thinking of going to Tanzania myself later in the year. And well, about Botswana, you said, yeah, I know about the, the Okavango ri- uh, River Delta, right? Which is this uh, this river that whose delta doesn't go into the sea. It actually dries out in, right. into the desert, 
Uh, yes. I, I know there's a specific season. I mean, there's a dry season where there's not a lot of water. Then there's a, there's a wet season. How, what's the best time of the year to go there? Um, in my opinion, there's two best times. Uh, I, I like I like it uh, right before it floods um, because uh, the animals are starting to come and congregate near where the water is going to be. Uh, you know, elephants and, and the other animals, they have this amazing sense, I'll call it sense of smell and maybe just sense of time and season that they know where the water is going to be. They can sense water from miles away. Um, and then, of course, when it when it starts to flood, uh, everybody's in the pool, so to speak. And it's just a different type of safari photography when you get uh, a lot of the animals around and in the water. Um, so I like uh, uh, June, July, August, mainly July and August for Botswana. And then uh, anytime after September, October through uh, even early March, um, I've been there when there's been plenty of water. So uh, two favorite times for Botswana for me. Mm -hmm. Cool. And yeah, seen some documentaries about Botswana. That's another place that I love to go. Um, seen some those scenes with the lions in the water attacking buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's get you there. Yeah. I'd okay. love to love to take you. We'll see. I'll have, I'll have to convince my wife. She's not uh, very much uh, into wildlife. Yes. I have to find an excuse <laughs> to go there alone. <laughs> Or convince her. We'll see. Um, I totally understand. I also know that you you love traveling across Europe. Uh, you mentioned Italy. Uh, we'll talk maybe about Italy a little bit later, but specifically any specific countries or destinations that you really love. What do you like? The countryside, the cities, the mountains. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah. So many. Um, I guess we'll start. Uh, we'll start in Scotland. Uh, I know you were recently in Scotland, yeah. and uh, Scotland can be amazingly beautiful, uh, can be amazingly difficult as well, depending on the weather and, and the season. Um, I typically like Scotland in April, May, June, uh, before the midges come out and the weather's starting to get good, but Scotland is beautiful. Um, of course, we talked about Italy a little bit. We'll talk about it more. Uh, Croatia and Slovenia, mm. the whole Dalmatian coast on, on either side of, of the water. But Croatia and Slovenia, uh, absolutely fantastic for, for landscapes. Um, again, uh, even the cityscapes, some of the architecture and the history of, of the locations. Um, uh, Turkey, uh, I love Turkey. Um, yep. France has got some wonderful locations, of course, Provence and, uh, you know, the whole area there, even up in the mountains. Uh, I, one of my favorite cities anywhere is Chamonix. Mm. Uh, and I love to, uh, hang out in the Chamonix area and just spend time, uh, up in the, up in the Alps and, and looking for fun, uh, fun vistas, fun landscapes, Switzerland, uh, again offers many opportunities um one thing that i think so think is overlooked by a lot of photographers at least in north america uh norway sweden finland uh i'm kind of partial to norway that's where a lot of my relatives are from but uh, norway has got some absolutely phenomenal landscapes and breathtaking scenes with the fjords and 
and the cliffs and the beautiful water and then just the pristine forests. Um, I think that I know I'm going to leave something out when it comes to Europe, but it's uh, you know even even Central Europe. I I love uh, the Czech Republic. I love Poland. Uh, again, getting into Bulgaria or even Hungary. I could probably go on for days uh, talking okay. about Europe. There's just so many opportunities, whether it's I think historical. The, the, yeah, yeah. Norway maybe is not not the whole of Norway is uh, uh, is very popular, but maybe the Lofoten Islands nowadays they tend to attract a lot of photographers uh, and yeah. a lot of tours are organized there nowadays. It's uh, I was uh, a couple of years ago I was thinking of going there, but because it was a bit uh, we didn't have much time. It was not easy to reach in terms of the number of flights and boat transfer that we had to take to get there then we had like five days and three of them would be spent traveling so we said okay maybe we'll go somewhere easier go to reach somewhere. and we'll go yeah. back when we have more time so we went to Senia I don't know if you've been there it's this island yeah. which is uh, even more north than the Lofoten and it's uh, it's not as spectacular as Lofoten but it's truly beautiful and we really Absolutely. love that. Um, wanted to ask, uh, can you give us a, a, a few tips maybe for people who want to uh, travel and take photos and do the most of a photo tour, whether it's with a company like yours or on their own? Uh, maybe a two yeah, or three tips for absolutely. not uh, wasting time getting the, the right shots. So yeah, no, absolutely, great question. I think whether you're doing it with uh, doing you know a photography trip with a uh, a group such as Eminem or any other group or on your own, I think the the first thing uh, that anybody should do is research their location. Um, and there's so many so many things on whether it be social media or even just on on the web. Do a, a very thorough web search search whether it's using Bing or Google or or whatever it is and look at the photographic opportunities and possibilities and see what others have done and um, and and see what appeals to you so I guess planning is, is the first thing I always encourage people to plan and, and know what they're getting themselves into and what to expect uh, the second thing is uh, if you're gonna go with a group um, I think there's still a, a a misunderstanding oftentimes with some guests between what a photo tour is and what a photo workshop is. You know, a workshop typically tends to be a little more intensive with the education and the hands-on information and teaching aspects of it, whereas a tour is more um, like M&M. Our, our objective is to get you to the great locations and give you as much camera time as possible. And if you need assistance or want feedback, you know, we do critiques, we do hands-on teaching, uh, but it's not always as intensive as a workshop might be. So know, know what you're expecting and ask questions. So if you're going with a group, be very clear and, and specific. Is this a tour or is it a workshop? Are we going to have specific periods of instruction or are we going to be shooting you know, on our own, but with the group most of the time? Are we having critique sessions? Is there going to be any post-processing uh, education there? Um, and, and be very clear on that. So, uh, and if you're going on your own, then I think the, the second most important thing and part of planning is uh, plan to be there at the right time. 
and make sure your lodging is close enough and comfortable enough to give you easy access to locations and locale. Um, the last thing you want to do is plan a trip on your own and say, say I'll just use, because it came to mind, uh, we'll say Slovenia. Um, but you got your hotel in Ljubljana and you plan on shooting a lot in Lake Bled. Well, the drive from Ljubljana to Lake Bled is, is not short and it can't be done in a half hour. No. Um, and so, you know, make sure that you put your lodging and location uh, close to where you expect to be shooting. As part of that second tip, I guess, um, try and connect with some locals that can also help. Uh, try and find, uh, whether it be on social media, local photographers or local photography groups or clubs uh, that uh, might be able to give you some pointers. Third thing is know your gear and equipment. Uh, so many times uh, I get questions, I've got all this gear, how am I going to be able to bring it all? And uh, I've got two go-to camera bags. One's very specific for my wildlife safaris, and the other bag is specific for 95% of my other tours. Um, and you want to make sure that you bring a backup body and bring your various lenses and in your filters and, and a nice travel, travel tripod and whatnot. But uh, pack light and uh, know your gear. Um, unfortunately, too many times I've seen people bring everything in the kitchen sink and buy new gear right before a trip. And unfortunately, they don't know how to operate it fully. And it can be frustrating for them and it can be frustrating for others. And so... Um, yeah, yeah. plan, know your locations and know your gear. Yeah, I know I had that happen to, to me, people get coming yeah. to, to a tour with a new camera and not really knowing how to operate it and asking me and okay, sorry, I'm, I never used that model I can try to find that in the menu but I'm not really sure So, Yeah, no, it, it's yeah. true and you know, at M&M we welcome all levels of photographers and whether you're a Canon shooter as I am or a Nikon or a Fuji or Olympus, uh, I try to stay up with all the gear, but to your point, there's so much available and, and things change so quickly that sometimes we can't always find it in 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, and the so, magic light is gone. Yeah. Uh, read your owner's manual, make that your best friend download it onto your iPad, your phone. So when you're on a plane or a train or, you know, sitting at a doctor's office, you can learn something new about your camera, learn something new every day. I also appreciate your point about uh, con connecting with the locals. And uh, I'd like to to thank the, the existence of social media for allowing me to get in touch with so many people, you know, Absolutely. almost every country in the world, that wherever I go, I know I can sometimes even go there and meet people there that I've only yeah. known uh, online and but even just get uh, get information get tips where, where to go what times to, to shoot what uh, what to look out for and, and stuff like that I was um, we were reflecting with some friends just today on on Facebook about uh, about Google Plus I don't know if you've ever been active on Google Plus uh, never it, have been it was amazing. I mean, it was a great place for photographers. And I, there I got to know so many photographers. Then, then later we met in real life. 
And then Google is now is shutting down Google Plus, which is, a, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was dying. Nobody was active there anymore. And that's a pity. Yeah. Uh, but it's still, we're still sad that it's, it's going to be killed because of all the connections that we made and we were able to bring them through uh, even in different environments. And I can't imagine how we did before social media, we had no chance of yeah. knowing yeah. so many people and being friends, virtual friends, yeah. and then becoming friends in real life. It's a, it's a yeah. great, it's a great thing. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, get, get well, to know people. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. I just to, to illustrate that point uh, in uh, June, July, in between our Namibia and Botswana trips. Uh, we took uh, about a week in South Africa and uh, some of our South African friends um, made a point to connect with us, uh, meet us at the hotel, and they gave us some great suggestions for some uh, locations that, that we hadn't planned on, on shooting at. And it ended up being spectacular. And uh, um, to your point, uh, those connections on social media and, and uh, just even networking through through other uh, means, uh, it makes us all better. Uh, I think it also helps educate us on on the locations and uh, even sometimes expectations of our of our workshop or tour participants because they've all heard or seen uh, you know specific places, locations, or things. And um, while we can't hit everything on one specific trip. Uh, I always like to try and plug as much as possible in. So that sharing is absolutely essential. Um, you mentioned uh, the fact that your tours, they're mostly tours, not not workshops. There's a lot of right. uh, hands-on. Uh, the hands-on aspect is, uh, is very prominent. There's a lot of uh, time with the camera in the field. Can you give us a, a bit more details, maybe how it typical day is organized well I, I know it's pr it probably changes a lot because a typical day on a safari is not the same as a typical day in the Cinque Terre in Italy sure, <laughs> but, sure. but if you can just give a general outline yeah. of yeah how you so I'll, I'll use two examples I'll use uh, the safari since you brought it up and then I mentioned Indochina earlier um, so we'll, we'll start with Indochina Laos Vietnam Cambodia Myanmar Thailand uh, our mornings there uh, typically begin before sunrise. Um, whether we're shooting a sunrise or whether we're shooting uh, a landscape or some type of location, or for example, in Laos, in Luang Prabang, uh, every morning uh, in this wonderful UNESCO uh, protected city, uh, the monks get up every morning and make a procession through the city streets to receive alms from the local people as well as uh, tourists and it's it's a very solemn uh and uh, inspiring occasion uh that begins basically uh depending on the season before the sun comes up and then it runs through a couple hours of the morning um and we'll we'll be up uh we'll photograph that as the sun comes up and we'll follow the monks uh back to their uh, temple or monastery and watch them go about uh, cleaning in the morning or preparing a meal um, so we're up early and we'll go through uh, the morning uh, activities and then as as midday comes 
uh, there are still marketplaces and street scenes or scenes along uh, the rivers, whether it's the Con River or the Mekong River, that uh, we can work with where the light might not be as, as harsh as, as it would if we were sh- out sh- trying to shoot landscapes. Um, for example, we'll go to the Quan Si waterfalls outside of Luang Prabang uh, in the middle of the day. One, uh, because the shade that's provided by the trees in the area uh, gives us nice dappled light for the waterfalls and the other pools that are a beautiful emerald, emerald green. Um, uh, and then through the evening, uh, we'll do, you know, sunsets or we'll get back into the evening markets and, and photograph there. Uh, we don't do that every day because folks will just get tired and fatigued and, and they want time to look at their images and process images. So, uh, uh, depending on where we're at, we'll do that while on a safari, uh, we're typically out uh, right as the as the sun or right before the sun is coming up because, as we know, wildlife is most active in the morning and the evening. Uh, we'll shoot uh, typically, uh, depending on the activity, uh, maybe up to 11, 11.30, and then head back to camp for lunch, uh, some downloading, maybe some critiques, some reviews. Uh, and then while the animals are resting, we're resting. Uh, uh, whether it's taking a nap or getting caught up on email if we have Wi-Fi or processing images. Uh, a lot of what I do is I'll, I'll get together with my guides, my driver guides, and say, okay, what's the radio activity been? Uh, where's the great, uh, where's the activity, whether it's the cat activity or, or the elephant activity, whatever it is. Um, and then for that afternoon or evening as we go back out, we're not necessarily searching for where the animals are. We're using, uh, you know, the text messages that our driver guides are getting, the radio activity that they've heard, and we're able to to get back into the to the thick of things. Um, and we'll shoot until, you know, basically it's time for a sundowner, uh, and then we get back to camp. Um, and that's pretty much true for every for every safari and then the example that i gave for indochina is pretty much true even for uh, the things we'll do in europe is is i like to i'd like to give people time behind their cameras to experiment and um introducing for example uh, high key uh processing to folks or or black and white i i don't mind shooting through the middle of the day and uh, uh processing images as black and whites because sometimes the the contrast is is it can be beautiful so um i guess the last thing is then it depends on each individual group and and how the group makeup is uh um i i try to be very attentive to the feedback of the group and and read their pulse and their messages and when we need a break we take a break uh, whether that's stopping at a at a little cafe to to get uh, some coffee or some juice or a, a pastry um Part of every M&M trip is, you know, our, our tagline, our motto is you don't just take a photograph, you experience it. Mm. And it doesn't matter where you go on, on the face of the earth, any country, we want to give you time to sit and soak in, whether it's uh, the cafe scene in a piazza in, in Italy or, you know, a, a market in in Thailand, wherever it is, we want you to just be able to sit and observe 
and and kind of soak it in. Sometimes it's best to put the camera down and just enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I still have to to remember myself to remind myself from from time to time that sometimes it's better just to put the camera down. We sometimes are so so taken up with with the idea of taking photos because we know we're yeah. in a place that we might not go back again. We only have a few right. days and we want to to shoot everything and then we spend our time with the the camera stuck to our eye and we only see the world through that the, very narrow yeah, the, confine of the viewfinder and right. there's a lot that we a lot of experiences that we end up missing so yeah put the yeah. camera down at least for a while yeah absolutely a great a great suggestion great tip I, I, I love that you mentioned it because i i need to remind myself <laughs> as i said thank you that's great okay and aside from the, the photography aspect uh, what's the do you pay a lot of attention to things like food is experiencing the local cuisine uh local cultural activities or I don't know. absolutely yeah so every trip um uh i make sure that we get a a hearty dose of local cuisine and and that can vary for example you'll find very few people for example that uh can't find something they love to eat in in italian cuisine uh i probably overeat every time i go to italy there's just so many good options uh in england or scotland probably not so much the case not known as as culinary uh uh capitals of the world uh uh but even in in asia you know uh people can overdose if you will on chinese or japanese food so we try to give a mix of of a lot of local cuisine give everybody an opportunity to experience it and then provide options that they might be more comfortable with um one of the things that i love about the namibia trip is introducing people to uh kudu or oryx or warthog and you know you get a funny look of oh, why why would i want to eat that and when you explain to them that you know it's no different than eating uh deer venison or elk venison um or really a a good beef steak uh, it's just a little different flavor and i can't tell you how many guests have become addicted to oryx steak in namibia on on trips i know it's one of my favorites um as well as the drinks um i don't personally uh drink but uh a lot of my guests uh, want to experiment with the local beers or the local wines or the local spirits uh that uh, are prevalent in re really anywhere you go uh it's always a fun experience to take folks to indochina and have them try some of the uh I call it moonshine out in the villages that uh, they might make. And uh, I've seen some pretty stout drinkers uh, turn very red-faced quickly by drinking some of these spirits. Mm -hmm. But uh, giving them the opportunity to try it is, is part of the trip. Again, you don't just take a photograph, you experience it, and then it goes for the culture. Um, as far as cultural events uh, in Indochina, we try and do uh, – uh, some of the cultural events uh, whether it's the traditional dancing or puppet plays in china we do the same thing uh, in japan uh, uh, again similar in in africa uh, we try to always spend 
uh, sometime with some of the local tribes and and experience their lifestyle. In Tanzania, Tanzania we always visit a Maasai uh, boma. Uh, we get inside their huts. Uh, we talk with them. Uh, we we watch them prepare meals, uh, herd their animals, and oftentimes that's a favorite part of the trip for a lot of the guests is is connecting with the locals and seeing how they live and and what they do. I have to admit that during my recent trip to Scotland, uh, during a, an afternoon where we, we tried to stay out and take photos even when the weather was not the best, but one particular afternoon it was really pouring. So we said, we'll, we'll pay a visit to the local distillery, the Talisker distillery yeah. on the Isle of Skye. Yeah. And there's not much to photograph there. And if, if there was something to photograph, uh, it was be it was forbidden to photograph inside right. the distillery. So we just had some nice whiskey tasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's that's part of Scotland or or other areas. I was going to say, I, I think some of the most fun uh, we've had on any of our past Italy trips is I always try and build in some times to stop at at vineyards uh, to do some wine tastings, and and typically in the middle of the day or along the way, and when you know some of these uh, vineyards will say, well, let's let us show you our cellars. Uh, you know, they have these nice storefronts, if you will, where they do the wine tastings and that that's fine and dandy. But when they when they connect with you and say, let us show you our cellars that are 300 years old with these huge casks of, of wine being aged and whatnot. And we get down in there in the dim light and they allow us to set up our tripods and and take some uh, shots of, of these places. And, in you know, some of them are, are caves and some of them are brick uh you know, red brick, uh, you've seen many of them, I'm sure. And it's just, it, it, it just adds so much to the entire trip because for the most part, uh, uh, you know, a lot of folks are, are more worried about what's above ground than what might be below ground. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just an opportunity to connect. Great. So since you, since you mentioned Italy, uh, you want to yeah. talk a little bit about our little, uh, tour of Italy that we are organizing together. Now, yeah. for, right now, we're putting the final touches on, on the program right. and the, right. the page, as we are recording this, the page is not yet online, but we're, we're going to make sure that it's going to be online by the time we release this episode. So if you're yes. listening to this, we'll put uh, a link in the show notes uh, at ttim.photo slash 151. This is episode 151. So you'll find yes. there a link to, to the tour page. But do you want to uh, present the tour to our audience? Sure, sure. So thank you, Ugo. And, and, and first and foremost, thank you for agreeing to be a guest pro on this trip. Uh, um, my um, honor. It, it will be, uh, you know, we've done Italy many times, but never with an acclaimed uh, Italian photographer that... Uh, is going to help us connect in in different ways than we never had before. But uh, um, we're going to spend uh, uh, two wonderful weeks uh, uh, venturing through, I believe, what the the best of Italy has to offer. And of course, that's that's my terminology. There's so much to Italy, but we're gonna we're gonna try and pack it full of of great locations with great imagery and an opportunity to caption imagery. And of course, Ugo will be. Um, having a lot of input in into helping us uh, uh, really capture the essence of, of his home country and 
I think uh, the beauty of it is is going to be as as a North American, we've we've become accustomed to what people believe are the iconic things of Italy. And we probably overlook a lot of the lesser known possibilities. And that is one thing that I'm really excited in, in having you along and, and leading is you know a lot of these. And additionally, um, I'm going to throw this out there that I'm pretty sure your Italian is better than mine. <laughs> and uh, hopefully so. be able to be able to utilize that to not necessarily do some setup shots, but maybe get us some access uh, uh, to, for example, I like to shoot from elevated positions, rooftops yeah. or whatnot, or, or you know, uh, restaurants. And sometimes uh, things get lost in translation or just the parties just aren't comfortable, but I, I think uh, uh, we're going to be able to connect in those ways. But uh, um it's September of, of 2019, uh, and I'm thinking uh, we might be, depending on what the weather does, uh, there might be some, some harvest going on, hopefully. Maybe it's a little early. Maybe it's just beginning. Uh, but uh, it'll be only the second time that we have offered uh, Italy in September. So it's going to be a, a new experience for most M&M uh, guests. Uh, and uh, something that should end up being epic. Great light in September. There should be some grape collecting going on, depending on the region, depending on how hot yeah. the summer was, because then right. it all depends on that. That's the, the time of the year where they collect grapes. So that could yeah. be a, a great thing to, to witness, even though, I mean, years ago, it was all manual work. And now yeah. they use machines pretty much everywhere. But I, I, maybe we can find a little farm where they do still do it by hand. We're still doing it manually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we're going to. You said it's the best of Italy, so we're going to to touch uh, places like Rome, I think Venice, uh, correct, Tuscany, the Cinque Terre, Tuscany, Florence. the Cinque Terre, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, it's going to be. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was, I was saying. Of course, we'll touch all the iconic places, including the Colosseum and St. Peter's in Rome and St. Right. Mark's in Venice. But yeah, when you you can count on on me to bring uh, the, the guests to some special spots a bit off the beaten path. That's my my specialty. Yeah. I tend. So if you've already been to Rome, if you've already been to Venice, I guess some people already have been. But they can. There's always something more to to discover. And if you've not been yeah. there, of course, there will be the the iconic places that's, that's absolutely so i think venice, we. Mm -hmm. i'm sorry you, you mentioned venice and, and venice is every time i go to venice i get lost but i don't care yeah because getting lost in venice is discovering so much new and so much beauty and and it might be the old rustic beauty it might be what i call dilapidated beauties you know with the the ocean levels rising and falling and some of the flooding that that venice is has uh, gone through um, just I, I'll call it the the rustic beauty of Venice and, and getting lost uh, on the back paths has been some of the most fun I've ever had there I so love Venice I was attending a few weeks ago a conference by a Venetian well he's actually was not born in Venice but he's been living in Venice for most of his life photographer mm -hmm. Mark de Toliner 
And he, he started the presentation with saying that, you know, Venice is very popular and it's, it can be very crowded. There are the, the, the whole area of Venice is, I don't know how many people live nowadays in Venice, like 50,000 people. It's a small yeah. city. And there's six million tourists every year or something like that. <laughs> and can yeah. you imagine? But all of those tourists, they all congregate in those few places. They all go to St. Mark's Square and the Bridge yeah. of Sides and the Salute. Yeah. And a few. Yeah. But if you go outside of these areas, then it's, it's wonderful. It's quiet yes. and you can get lost yeah. and experience and see those places. And yep. there's not there are no, no crowds there. So then that's one yeah. of the, the beauties no, of Venice. So if you want to go to St. Mark's Square, go at sunrise. When there's yeah. good light there, it's perfect. You get a great light. The sunrise is St. Mark's. Yeah. And there's going to be very few people, maybe a few photographers. Yeah, so that's, true. Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I think yeah. the dates uh, we set on our uh, September 16 to 29, but uh, we'll just put a, a link to the exact page on, on this episode, but people can go to, to the M&M Tours website uh, and there yes. will be a, a link in the, in the menu of all the tours. So do you want to say what the address the url of the website is yeah thank you it's uh www.mmphototours with a, an s plural dot com okay uh mmphototours.com very easy to and, remember uh, yeah very easy yeah it, it's uh i'll give you a little history on on m m so uh my brainchild uh and the other uh, lead photographer is also Mike. So M&M, while it's known as the popular candy across the world, the chocolate candy, M&M stands for Mike and Mike. Mm -hmm. um, Mike Montgomery is the other M, uh, and he's uh, an excellent photographer in his own right. And uh, we, we just had a group in, in India together and had a lot of fun. Uh, Mike will also be joining the February Tanzania trips. So, um, just a little brief history about Eminem. Uh, we were trying to come up with a name, and and uh, I believe it was my wife that said, "Well, Mike and Mike and the candy Eminem. Nobody's going to forget Eminem candy. So how about Eminem photo tours?" And I was like, "Done. It's very catchy." Do you give out Eminem candies to your guests? <laughs> you know, you should, <laughs> we. we we, we used to, Ugo, uh -huh. and we actually got a cease and desist letter from, uh, I can't remember if it's Mars that owns M&M uh -huh. candies or, or whoever the parent company of M&Ms is. Um, somehow they caught wind of it and, and asked us to not do that anymore. And so uh, officially we don't do that anymore, but I always take M&Ms with me. You should maybe give out something from the competition. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay, great. So uh, do you also have a personal website or a place where people I, can find about you online? I know you're a pretty active on Facebook. So, Yeah, so Mike Goldbra, just M-I-K-E Goldbra, G-U-L-B-R-A-A -A on Facebook. Um, and uh, I, I used to be a little more active with my own uh selling of prints and, and whatnot, but uh, I've got a, a nice solid uh, corporate and collector following that uh, um, I don't I don't 
publicize or publish that anymore. If, if somebody's interested in some imagery, feel free to contact me directly, uh, whether it's on Facebook or my email is Mike G as in golf at mmphototours.com and, and let me know uh, what you're interested in. Um, uh, my images have been used for uh, textbooks. They've been used for book covers at major universities. Uh, uh, there's a lot of corporate and individual collectors that have asked me for specific images. And um, I, I'm always flattered when somebody wants to hang one of my images on, on a wall somewhere, but uh, I, don't, I don't really push print sales much anymore. Okay, good. So I'd like to thank you again for being our guest today. I'm really looking forward to our uh, collaboration, cooperation, working together oh, in Italy. Sure it's, it's, going, it's going to be great and a lot of fun for, for everyone who, who would like to, so. to participate. Uh, so before uh, closing, I'm just going to remind everyone that you can find this episode again at ttim.photo slash 151. And of course, all of the other episodes, uh, past episodes. Uh, and the, the great thing I was reflecting just today about podcast is that the podcast type of content is evergreen. I mean, we have... 150 episodes beside this one already published right. and you can go back three years back and still find great interviews with people talking about destinations and most of it is timeless and evergreen so just go back to our archives um, you can find us all of the episode on apple podcasts and all of the other uh, distribution channels and, and on the website of course so go there, uh, leave us a comment, leave us uh, questions, get in touch with us. Uh, if you have, want to suggest names of possible guests, uh, just do. Uh, and the other thing, you can join our Facebook group uh, at ttim.photo slash Facebook. Finally, you can find everything about me at ucphoto.me. And from there, there's links to my blog, my photographic gallery, uh, and everything I do, including my tours. Uh, which have their own website if you want to go straight there tours.ucphoto.me and of course there will be a page for the Italy tour in collaboration with M&M Photo Tours finally my co-host Ralph Velasco who is not here with us today but we will be back next week uh, you can find everything about him at photoenrichment.com and on social media at photoenrichment and at Ralph Velasco on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and whatnot. So now that's really all for this week. Thanks again, Mike. Uh, take care and now let's get out and shoot. Thank you, Hugo. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>